Scott Cap and the name that makes it happen. No further introduction to the man that's worth tracking. City's clapping for his relentless backing. A vastie against the former team that just went packing. While they're slacking, another host are lacking. He tells it like it is on issues that nobody's tackling. While he's racking, the ones who keep on grappling. The listeners and followers who get it keep on stacking. Great friend and the type to set a trend. President, I see where haters with the men, there's no pretend. 17 years, he along with Pierce, entertaining Southern Kelly back by popular demand. Intense for the listeners to resonate To the hottest topics of the day, check the resume While some local leaders seem to lack the unity My man uses his voice to do what's best for the community Westwood one, catch him on the sidelines Reporting live, what we later see in highlights No holds barred, just like on his timeline Sun filter podcast, no need to follow guidelines Meet any criteria, dropping bombs like Syria Touching down, hollow around, connected like Expedia Coming to your speakers live from the city of Bestie Welcome to the Scott Kaplan Media Great friends, thank you so much for being here for the Scott Kaplan Solo Podcast. And we are into now episode seven. Made this commitment at the beginning of 2018 and really want to see it through every week and bring you interesting and compelling guests and content. Last episode, Ernie Hahn from the Valley View Casino Center went so off on the whole situation with San Diego sports, entertainment, politics, the the Spanos brother, their lame attempt to try and crawl back to San Diego. And that prompted me to think that all of a sudden people were angry again. And by the way, it didn't take much for me to figure this out because all you had to do was go on Twitter and just find the venom and the anger. What John and A.G. Spanos did Super Bowl week by going on local radio using their color commentator. Now, by the way, it's a brilliant move. Right. I mean, you have a former player who was fighting to try and keep the team in town. He becomes sort of a a local legend. I mean, there was a time when Nick Hardwick, this is before he's really even on the radio, as far as I recall, when there was a big celebration of all sports. The Chargers had made their announcement. They were leaving. And Nick was the face guy. He really was. Uh, because he was the former Charger player, recently retired. He was a good player. He's quite a character. He's got all the tats. I mean, he he had what it ta- he had what it what, what it would take to to have be a leader uh, in the community. In fact, I was at one time at a, at a, one of our sponsors, Saquon Casino, and they had him up on stage because he was the MC, not somebody, frankly, like myself. They were trying to take advantage of Nick's at the time likability and popularity. Nick, of course, as many of you know, uh, who, lis- who listen locally, Nick was devastated when the Chargers left, and he went on an epic rant about how entitled the Spanos family was. And, I mean, it went on and on and on. He just destroyed these guys and swore his loyalty to San Diego, not to the organization. And ultimately, again, many of you may know this, he went crawling back to the organization because, listen, I say crawling. Don't be offended by it because that's what it was. Okay, but that's former players. LaDainian Tomlinson did the same thing. Sold out? Absolutely. Did LT need the money to go work for the Chargers? Did he even need to commit more time? No, he, listen, he was going into the Hall of Fame. The Chargers definitely didn't want him to say anything bad about their organization or about the move. They gave him a good sum of money, I'm sure to just be there and be booed by the Raider fans. And he sold out. But he couldn't help it because that's his organization. And I love LT. So don't get all butthurt because I call you a sellout. That's just what it is. Sean Merriman at Super Bowl. You know, this guy, he's another guy. He didn't even sell out. He's just begging to have anybody pay attention to him, especially the Chargers. And, Sean, don't, don't get upset. What I'm saying is you didn't leave the team gracefully. Everybody knew about the steroid accusations. People assumed that the injuries were a byproduct of the steroid accusations. And Sean Merriman went on to play elsewhere and really kind of left with not, without much fanfare because his, his career had essentially fizzled at that point. So these guys, LT, Sean Merriman, my own radio partner, Billy Ray, who just cannot give up, that's their team. That's who they are as people. It's part of their DNA now. Dude, I totally get it. I don't begrudge anybody any of that stuff. Even Nick Hardwick, by the way. Even Nick Hardwick. I don't begrudge Nick Hardwick. I mean, listen, 
That's your team. It's the only team you played for. You made a lot of money. You said a lot of stupid shit. You you realized it was wrong. You now you got to go suck back up to these guys and you do it. And then what do they do? They're smart, smart enough. I mean, they're not really that smart, but smart enough to know how to use people. So, what do we want to get out of a guy like Nick Hardwick? We want to make sure that Nick Hardwick as our color commentator being paid, I'm sure, very handsomely. And by the way, we want to expose Nick Hardwick in LA because we think he's got a look, we think he's got the cool tats. You know, he sort of represents who we are or who we were. San Diego cool. That's who we were. That's who Nick Hardwick was. But now we're going to try and make him L.A. cool. All the while, have Nick Hardwick in San Diego on a very small sports radio station. When I say small, listen, this is the radio business here for a second. Don't anybody get all offended, all right? It's a very small signal. That's all. It doesn't reach very far, and it doesn't reach very far at night. Programming aside, I've got a lot of people over there that I know, I've worked with, I would hardly call friends. I'm not saying enemies, not even close. Not on my radar, very frankly. But because of the shitstorm that Nick created when he not only allowed the Spanos brothers to use his airwaves because he's their employee, he also jeopardizes his partner, frankly, on air, who tried, apparently, I didn't hear it, tried to be the bad guy. Because how's he going to look? Like, like an ass kisser. But that, Nick's, Nick, that's, that's his bosses. Those, and, and that's his job. His job is to analyze football during game broadcasts and to spread the goodwill on San Diego radio on a small radio station with a limited audience. Look, ratings suck for all of us. I'm not going to deny that. Theirs are a lot worse than ours. So Nick goes on Twitter and winds up going on this rampage about how, man, it's not really the Spanos' fault. It's your fault. You guys. The voting public, you voted this down. It's your fault. They left. Get over it. And don't blame the team. Don't blame the ownership. Blame yourself. Look in the mirror. The audacity. The balls. Nick Hardwick now blames the fans. So, back to the beginning. Talking to Ernie Hahn last week, man, people are still pissed pissed and I don't blame people I, I kind of thought we were getting over it kind of thought we were getting in touch with reality reality that is San Diego is currently as a sports town it's freaking dead man you know guy called me today from Naples Florida he says how's life in San Diego I said fucking awesome amazing I'm looking outside. There's the ocean. The weather's spectacular. The air is crisp and clean. Life is good in San Diego, California. Sports fan life in San Diego, California, not so good. Don't listen. Gulls, Gulls hockey. Anybody who's not in San Diego who listens to this podcast around the country, we have a minor league hockey team in town. The Anaheim Ducks are the NHL team. The San Diego Gulls are the AAA team. Really good hockey. Really good product. Beautiful arena. Uh, it's an old arena, but it's a beautiful rink. Great scoreboard. NHL caliber players. NHL caliber product. But it's still minor league hockey. You know, it doesn't really do much. They, they may average over 9,000. That's great. But you understand what I'm saying? It's not the Philadelphia Flyers. It's not the LA Kings. It's not the Florida Panthers. It's, it's, it's not the NHL. Padres baseball, everybody knows this is going to be another spectacularly brutal year. Or, let me rephrase that. It's predicted to be another spectacularly brutal year. In part because the Padres are not expected to be good, and the Dodgers and the Giants and the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, they'll battle it out. So when I say that San Diego is a dead sports town, think about Philadelphia. I got it. Super Bowl champs. But Flyers and the Sixers. I know the Phillies are bad. I'm just saying as far as a sports town goes, having just been in Minneapolis a few weeks ago, you see they've got all the majors. We're, we're unfortunately in a dead sports town right now, which leaves us plenty of time to still be furious, pissed, 
angry, hurt, sad, devastated. All these emotions that 56 years an NFL football team was in this town and it's gone now. With that all being said, damn, that's a lot. Nick, you provided a lot of content. And I don't know if you, this is my message to Nick Harwick, I don't know if you created a lot of great buzz for yourself or if you turned a lot of people off. My guess is you've probably helped me out a lot. You've probably pushed a lot of people back to me. Thank you. Because I will never, ever, no matter what, support that team or that family. And I'll sell out like a motherfucker, but not to them. They couldn't pay me to work for them. Well, okay, don't be stupid. They could pretty much pay anybody. They could even get a guy like Jim Steig. Again, with this topic being hot and people still having some really raw emotions, Jim Steig was smart. Jim Steig got out of town. Jim Steig, for those of you that don't know, and I'm sure most people do, Jim Steig ran the Super Bowl for the National Football League. He created the Super Bowl. When I say created, I mean they had the game. Jim Steig created the cultural iconic event that the Super Bowl is today. That was his job working for the National Football League for years. When he decided he was leaving the NFL League office in New York and coming to work for the San Diego Chargers, people in the league office ridiculed him. You're going to go work for the Spanos family? And he said, yeah, you know, it's time for something different. Let me try something different. Let me see if I can run a club. And they all told him, the worst possible decision you could make. I wonder if Jim Steig still feels that way. He no longer lives in San Diego. He's moved to North Carolina with his wife, Jill Lieber. Jill is a really interesting person. She is a former journalist for USA Today and Sports Illustrated, and she's written many, many books. I uh, I love Jill because years ago for USA Today, she went and did the Ironman in Hawaii to report on the Ironman. And then, of course, I did it in 2010, and she very much consulted me on my uh, experience, not only as an athlete and a competitor in the Ironman, but also as a uh, somebody in the media who was covering the event from inside the event. So Jim and Jill have been longtime acquaintances. I'd even go so far as to call them friends. And they have been two of the most outspoken people because Jim was obviously a Charger insider and was a guy who sat on the mayor's task force to try and help figure out the stadium situation, the Citizens Stadium Advisory Group or whatever we called the CSAG. So Jim was outspoken and he was very much in the middle of it. His wife was always outspoken, especially on social media, and she also still was close because she wrote a whole expose on Junior Seau and his suicide years ago. These guys really were close, and they've moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever it is in North Carolina, and they still are contacting and are contacted by people on social media about this topic, the Chargers leaving San Diego. All right, I got Alex Padilla in here from the Scott and BR Show who's helping me produce this podcast, and we're going to call Jim and Jill. Let's see... uh, See if we can get these guys rambling a little bit today. All right, here we go. Calling a landline. Hello? Jill Lieber? Yes. (laughs) Scott Kaplan, and you are already on the Scott Kaplan Solo Podcast. I can't wait to talk to the man under the parasol. <laughs> How about uh, now? I'm calling on a landline, which is interesting. Is is your husband Jim Steig going to be joining us? Maybe on another phone. Like in my house, I only have one phone for a landline. By the way, I don't know the phone number, and no one's ever called me on it. And there's no voicemail set up. I only have it because it's cheaper as a bundle to have the phone than to not have the phone. No, we have multiple uh, attachments. Right. You know, that allow us to all talk. I mean, Jim can talk, too, at the same time. Well, that's what and we're looking for. you could for. probably even hear the dogs if you want. I do hear the dogs. Where is Jim? Let's say hello to Jim Steak. Here, you get on this. <laughs> Who's this? Mr. Steak, this is Scott Kaplan broadcasting in San Diego. How are you? You're on Scott, the podcast. Scott Kaplan. Yes, sir. Scott Kaplan. I, I vaguely remember the name. Well, Weren't you, you a sideline reporter once? I was one at one time. That was before I got fired. By CBS, because unfortunately, the Kansas City Chiefs put out a press release on a Monday 
that in week two of the NFL season, I was going to be on the sidelines of the Chargers-Chiefs game in Carson. Now, I didn't want the assignment, but I, I didn't want to turn it down because I felt like if I said no to CBS, they wouldn't use me anymore. Yeah. So I, t- I took the assignment. The press release came out. The Chargers called CBS and said, we will never help him. We will not give him any information. We don't want him in our building, et cetera, et cetera. CBS called me, and I'll leave names out, and they said to me, look, dude, you're going to work five or six weeks for us this year. We don't need this kind of aggravation. And I said, brother, I don't even feel like you have to explain this. I don't even want anything to do with them. People thought I worked for the Chargers. I'm trying to distance myself from those guys. So, yes, sir, you got me on a rant. Yes, I was a sideline reporter. (laughs) Look what you did to me. I, I, it's unbelievable. I, I don't know what. Be I, careful! I, You're already being recorded. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, I don't know what. I, I don't know what the purpose of all this is. You know, I just don't. The purpose of what? Uh, anything. <laughs> why? You know, why do you carry? You know, I understand vindictiveness and all that sort of stuff. But you know, the media is the media, right? Good, bad, or indifferent, right, Scott? I think so. I, think I mean, so. you know, you, there are going to be moments you don't like them. There are going to be moments you like them. Right, but I mean, Dean if Spanos. Get, if you get in professional football or any professional sport, guess what? You're going to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dean Spanos hated me for the longest time, and then uh, the the week, well, it was the final week of the season in 2016 when he walked up to me before the Raiders game and unsolicited said to me, "Hey, I wanted to thank you for all your work trying to help us with Measure C." And I said, "Well, you know, you're talking very past tense, like you already made up your mind. Are you have you made up your mind?" He said, "Well, now I'm leaning towards going to Los Angeles, which was news at the time because." He said we didn't get over 50-plus percent of the vote. And I said, well, why didn't you say that before the vote? And now what's really interesting, Jim and Jill, and the reason I called you guys is because a year later, I thought this thing was starting to calm down. I thought everybody was, was over it. The Spanos brothers have reopened this wound, and then their spokesperson here on local radio in San Diego has now accused the fans. In other words, he's blaming the fans because they didn't get the vote right. So that's what's reopened all this. What do you guys think? Well, I think one of the problems you get into, Scott, and I've, I've warned this and you've warned it more than anybody, is there's a way to reconstruct history, and that's what's done on a lot of these cases. I mean, part of the problem with this whole saga of the Chargers in, in San Diego is history has been reconstructed. You know, it, it's not necessarily important. I mean, let's, let's face it, the, this whole thing started with a complete error in the mid-'90s. You know, trying to put a $60 million addition onto a stadium at the time you should have been building a new one and then putting the ticket guarantee in place. You know, we forget that that is the genesis of everything that's taken place. Bad decisions begot bad decisions, and now you kind of reconstruct it that certain things have caused this or that to happen. Listen, I I totally get why for a decade (laughs) the politicians in San Diego want nothing to do with the Chargers as radioactive as the ticket guarantee was, right? Right. But but <laughs> isn't it interesting that now they've moved. It's over. They left. And yep. and they've played a season in L.A. And Jim and Jill, I know you guys are, are in North Carolina now, and I'm, I'm sure you guys still saw what was going on. Do you perceive that their first year in Los Angeles was successful? Well, in any way that you evaluate it, I don't see how it could be. Obviously, they were 9-7. and seven. They missed out of the playoffs, and they were alive Week 17. Which means some degree of success, but the success, listen, the success of a football team is the playoffs and the Super Bowl. I mean, it's a successful season for the Philadelphia Eagles and not for, you know, 31 other teams in reality. And and if you, you want to sell out, you want to win, you want the atmosphere in your program to go right, and you want everything to build momentum to go to the future. But, uh, you know, all the struggles that they had from, you know, ticket sales issues, which are kind of. <laughs> legendary now you know whatever the whatever the capacity was 30,000 27,000 25,000 24,000 whatever the number was right uh you know however you're going to evaluate it and what the price of the ticket was and everything like that i think what you've got to come down to is it's all about winning and winning sometimes will make up for mistakes otherwise but i think under this case they didn't win so it's not successful and, you know, the team now, <laughs> five miles away, did win, right? Right. So what do you think about where we are, though, right now? We, this thing was, to me, kind of a dead th- – I mean, it was over. But, yep. but, when, but when John – when John and A.G. – excuse me. When John and A.G. 
decide to use their employee, Nick Hardwick, to spread the word that they really want to somehow find a way to right all these wrongs. And then they're asked, well, how? And they sit there and they go, uh, well, you know, we're kind of like going to listen to what the fans say. And then, you know, oh, and, you know, we're really still big into the community. And that is such bullshit. Scott, were you on Radio Row at the Super Bowl when they were parading around going on air? Because we happened to be going somewhere that night, or I was. Uh, I was somewhere in the car, and, and they were on uh, Mad Dog. They were on with Chris Russo, which mm-hmm. I thought was really kind of interesting. And all I heard was something about how they wanted to reconnect with the fans or make amends with the fans or but you know, but something guys, like that. Guys, I, I've been saying all football season long, especially when they were winning, why are they not trying to reconnect with the fans of San Diego? And then somebody went to Kansas City when the Chargers had won, I think it was four straight games, and somebody videotaped A.G. Spanos in the end zone, and they said, hey, come on, man, we're from San Diego. Come on, A.G., you're from San Diego. And he goes, yeah, I am. And he, they said, how about showing some love to San Diego? And A.G. said, we're showing our love by winning. That night, they went out and got destroyed by the Kansas City Chiefs. But, but they've, they've ne- I've been saying on the radio for months, just reach out to the fans. Don't give up on the blood drive. Don't give up on the Spanos All-Star game. Keep putting weight rooms in high schools. Stop taking all your philanthropy away from San Diego and giving it to L.A. Just expand your philanthropy. Where were they to do all of that? And then finally, they take my advice... They go use their spokesperson, Nick Hardwick, and then where this really all explodes, guys, and this is why I asked you to come back, where this all explodes is then Nick decides to go on a, a tirade, essentially, on, on Twitter, blaming the fans. Now it's the fans' fault. Do you understand that? Yeah, I, I, when I saw this going on over the weekend, I just thought he should have stayed quiet. He can't win on that because there's just too much... Oh my God, public public history where he says after they decide to leave that he felt used by them and, and didn't, you know, wasn't going to have anything to do with them. And so then he eventually goes back to work for them. And I just figured the reason he went and did that is, A, he, he, he needed to follow his this team because otherwise there'd be no... Chargers football legacy for Nick Hardwick, you know, who, who is he? I mean, I don't, you know, I feel for people like Hank Bauer because, it, it, you know, is he still revered in San Diego as a Charger? You, anyway, um, and Nick probably needed a job. He needed something to do post-football. Um, but he just should have just kept quiet. Well, but, but on the other hand, I mean, Jim, from your perspective, if you were working for the organization – He's our employee. He's our former player. He's the most recently retired and most decorated. He still has ties to guys on this team. I mean, we're, we're using our employee, who, by the way, is on radio in our former hometown. We're using him to spread the word in San Diego that we want to find a way to fix it, and we're going to use him as the conduit. I, I just can't believe that instead of just using Nick, why did they never bring LaDainian Tomlinson down here, Jim, and and have him do some sort of Hall of Fame celebration here in San Diego. When he promised that he would, why wouldn't they, if if they wanted to come back to San Diego, why wouldn't they have started there? Well, Scott, I think that the problem you've got is you've got to think like a fan. You've got to figure out what's, what gets you the most loyalty there. And, and obviously the fact that well, since January the 12th of last year, there's really been no communication with anybody there. And, you know, a lot of these things could have been solved. I'm not saying, listen, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of open wounds there. But at that point in time, to just send a note to your fans, to not have a press conference, to never talk to anybody, to and now to think that you can go selectively talk to anybody, I think you suggested it or other people have suggested it. You know, if you're going to do this, go down and take your beating. Take, have a press conference, talk about it, talk about everything that's there, and then move on. But as long as you're not going to address it, you're only going to address it selectively. I mean, my understanding is Jeffrey Pollack told anybody that wanted to talk to him they couldn't talk about anything that happened prior to January the 12th, right? 
So the bo- uh, you mean the two sons when they were at the Super Bowl? Correct, and, and that's listen. Uh, and guys agreed to it. I'm, I'm not sure if I was in the media, I would agree to it. I, I might because I think I've got some sort of scoop that I'm going to get something out of it. I guess, but you know, you got to worry about journalistic integrity at that point. Well, why didn't they? Why didn't Jeffrey Pollack call me and say, "Hey, look, um, you know John, you know AG, you guys always had a cordial professional relationship. We know that you've been the harshest critic, and we know that you've created the Charger Hater Club and and everything else. Listen, why don't I put you and John and AG together, and you can interview them no holds barred? I mean, that to me is what you just said, Jim. Take your beating, take your lumps, move on. Yeah, you're not going to do it until you close the wound, and you can't do that if you don't ever come to the point that that you get there. And there, listen, there are a lot of fans out there that want to believe in. Listen, they're they're fans that love the players. They forget the ownership. You know, their their loyalty to the team has a lot to do with players and coaches. It doesn't have to do with owners or management or anything like that that takes place. And I think that's where we're there. They want to love those guys no matter what, whether they're you know if they moved on. Philip Rivers is. A San Diego, we'll always remember it as a San Diego, but he's playing in L.A., and they, they're still loyal to him. Hell, here in, here in our area, they're loyal to him because he went to NC State, and they follow him religiously here, you know, but he's 2,500 miles away. So I think that there's loyalty there towards the players and, and, and the coaches that are there, and they want to make sure that they stay that way. And I think when the, when the team doesn't take advantage of that, uh, they can build that back through that way, and but I do think you have to get to the point that you've got to be forthright and honest with everybody, and uh, and have somebody out there. But you know that, that's just been the way it's been, Scott. I mean, for how long? I, as long as you know the, they have you know PR guy and Fabiani that is the spokesman <laughs> for everything that's going on. And they really don't come full circle with everything that's going on that way. It's kind of been that way for a long time. So uh, I don't think they're going to – they could show up at the Kings game or the Lakers game or the Dodger game or whatever it is and claim that that's attaching to San Diego, but it still comes back to the players and the coaches. But the other thing, Scott, is for how long were they actually pointed to L.A.? Now, how because when Jim and I – sat down and did that did a huge timeline it's pretty pretty clear that even while Jim was there unbeknownst to him they were having secret meetings and pointing toward LA and I, I wouldn't that be part of an of an interview you know why why did you tell us one thing and do another I mean do you remember do you remember the uh, boy that whole week where uh, CSEG comes out with the report, and the same day, the boys are named the daily heads of the what organization. Happened, what happened that day? Yeah. Using Jim Trotter as the conduit. Wait, yeah, wait, so just go just through that like one more time. Go through that. Where, well, just go through that real quick, Jill. I mean, the, the day that the Citizen Stadium Advisory Group that Jim sat on, this has got to be, what, 2015 or 16? Yep. Okay. What? Which were your, do you guys recall which year it was? Fifteen. Okay. 15. So, so the, the the day that you guys had the report, as I recall, um, I, I I think I was there that day. As a matter of fact, um, you guys had a big press conference. There were lots of fans on that exact day. The Chargers also named the the two boys into their new positions with with the organization. Is that what you're yeah, saying? It was like breaking news before they even sat down to do the CSEG announcement and go through the whole CSEG report. Well, if the irony of ironies is they gave a story to Jim Trotter to report. Well, and here's another one, which I should have said before that. How about the week where uh, Fabiani is going to meet with CSEG? So he pulls two things on CSEG. One, before he meets with CSEG, he gives the media the memo he's going to read to CSEG. So everybody in the media is writing about it, and CSEG's in this conference room and has no idea this is going on outside. Then later that week, and he was asked in that meeting about going to L.A. There was something that the head asked, and and he asked it in the wrong way. Do you remember, Jim? Because Jim then, later that week, and I think it was in January, it was a Thursday night. He's up setting up for Sean White's Aaron Style, and I called Jim, and I go, you're not going to believe this. They had just announced they're going to Carson. 
Well, we did the seat. We had this meeting with Fabiani, I think, on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Thursday, they announced that they were going to Carson. But, but uh, I listen. My my mistake in that meeting was I should have had showed the disrespect he showed to everybody else. I should have been on Twitter instead of listening to him. Because if I would have been on Twitter, I would have picked up the fact he'd already released all this stuff to the media and could have confronted him face-to-face at that point. I I, I should not have showed him that respect. Didn't the head of the CSAG ask about L.A.? And he said... They asked about the Coliseum. Oh. And building in L.A. or something like that. Versus, and so Fabiani said, no, while all this was in the works, because nobody asked about Carson. Yeah, he didn't. Mark always had this tendency, didn't lie, but didn't tell the truth. (laughs) (laughs) You know, did not give you the full answer but gave you the specific answer of, of what he was going to say, just kind of like he did, I think, with you, with Bernie Wilson. But let me ask you guys... about when he said that, yeah, that uh, Doc Maladu was not an employee of the oh, Chargers. Right. Yeah, right. right. But, but, but let me ask you guys this question. Let me ask you this. Are you ready? So, so yes, we can blame the Chargers over and over and over again. Yep. And, and yes, we can um, point to many examples where they were headed towards L.A. for a really, really long time. On the flip side of that, I could have said, why didn't they get out earlier? And who knows, as cheap as they are, maybe it was all about their their buyout. Just let it linger until they didn't have to pay for a buyout. I'm just making this up, but what I'm saying is there has to be, hmm, besides them conspiring behind everybody's back to go to L.A., Jim, do you feel used at all by city government? Because the reality is, while the mayor was constructing the CSAG, he and his people were essentially going behind your backs and discussing a potential soccer opportunity with the group that we now know as Soccer City, and that's created tremendous controversy here in town because as much as you blame the Spanoses, on some level, we've got to blame the mayor and city government because, A, they negotiated from a position of assuming the Chargers were leaving, and, B, they were trying to come up with the secondary plan while they were showing the public they were trying to deal with the Chargers. Do you feel used, Jim? Well, I, I, let me answer that in two parts, Scott. I, I, I understand business is business, and you've got to have a backup plan at some point in time to do it. Now, let me kind of tell you my version of CSAG, and I, I can't speak for the mayor exactly, but I went and met with the mayor in November of fourteen. And I think that just I was there with Bob Watkins, and the gist of my meeting with him was, you better do something because they're gone, and you better swing to the fences and do something in some way, shape, or form. And if I was you, I'd support some sort of committee, but it can't be the same old, same old people as part of this. You've got to find a bunch of people as part of this that have no, you know, history on what's going on, and it can't be, can't be attacked for having historical relationships and things like that. And and I it was, you know, a month and a half later he announced the formation of CSAG. Now I thought that was the last swing for the fences to try to get something done. Um, and I was optimistic because I was when I was dealing on that, uh, the people I dealt with in the community were sincere in their desire to try to get something done. Now, we realized that we never really never could really get fully engaged. Uh, the league never really engaged in anything. So, you know, and that, it literally the day that we made the CSAG report, that was when I came home to Jill and said, uh, we're, we're going to fly to North Carolina next week and start looking for a house to move because I don't want to be here when this team moves and they're moving. And do you know why he said that, Scott? Because he said it's going to be very sad for the city because Jim felt the minute the team left, there are some that will argue no economic impact, no benefits, but Jim felt the city was going to be very sad, and he felt the city was going to become a secondary city in the United States. Well, well and, and I I, I, by the way, I would say this. San Antonio. <laughs> well, well <laughs> but, but i got to tell you guys something. Um, it feels that way. I mean, it really does. I have to tell you guys, it really, really does. You know, it's like I'm at Radio Row last uh, two weeks ago at the Super Bowl, and I would put up our radio station against most sports radio stations around the country. Um, and, and honestly, um, it just, there's a feel now that we are kind of like a minor league city. And, and, you know, you said San Antonio. I would say like San Jose, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the only difference is, is that people who know San Diego know what a great place it has always been and what a gem of a place it is. But in terms of sports respect, I mean, just the other day, the Associated Press named San Diego the worst sports city in America. And, yeah. and that, that, that piles on the sadness, Jim, that you predicted. And I, so so mo- the, the Chargers moving was definitely the reason why you guys got out of town. Well, Jim, t- you know, yesterday when when we knew we were going to come on, Jim Jim was talking about tell Scott the things that you think an NFL city, an NFL teams brings to a city that now San Diego is. Well, is, I mean, you were just talking about it, Scott. The charitable contributions that go on and take place there are, are huge, you know, and and the impact you have, you know, the, let's talk about the stupid things like raffling off an autographed football for some charity auction. You know, those things just kind of disappear, and, and those effects are felt. Well, and it's it's hotel rooms, and well, it's... you saw you saw the report last week that hotel occupancy in San Diego on the on weekends in the fall were down like seventeen percent. And and you don't have, you know, you have it for Torrey Pines, but you don't have repeated beauty shots of San Diego that make people say, I mean, because people here in Chapel Hill. Their response when we say we moved from San Diego, they're like, "Wow, you know what? A, what a great place!" Because they they've seen it on TV. Well, yeah, that's just I'll be it. I mean, that that, that, that to me up happening with the city and, and everything as far as the tourism budget. Right. See, 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 Jim. Here, here the, here's the thing. To me, when when you don't have eight football games in San Diego and you don't show the beauty of the city, and that now is the, the beauty of L.A., which, by the way, they're not showing you Carson. They're showing you all the highlight oh, yeah. spots of Los Angeles. Well, they're it's showing the pier, you... It's the Santa Monica Pier, right. like it always has been. It's the Hollywood sign. It's the whole deal, right? It's, uh, so so we, I believe we've lost that. But, here, but let's go back to the reason why we did. Because, again, we start off with this whole conversation of the Spanos brothers tried to crawl back home. They use Nick Hardwick as a conduit. It blows up in everybody's face involved. But now we, we, we talk about, did the mayor go behind your back and work on soccer? Did the Chargers go behind everybody's back and already want to go to L.A.? Let's, let's kind of keep this thing going now. So here we are today. Now, can you believe this? The hoteliers, the tourism industry, the people who were most vehemently opposed to the Chargers downtown proposal and the increased hotel tax, those same people who said, San Diego will not have the tourism because of the price of the hotel rooms. Those same people are now today trying to increase hotel taxes to build the convention center the way they want it. Now, their argument was, we increase the hotel taxes, people will stop coming. But now, to serve their own self-interests, now they're following the exact same game plan. For me, why would I ever give my vote or my support to them, they might say, well, because we're going to create lots of jobs and we're going to create tourism is great for our city. Fuck that. Those people pushed the NFL out of our town so that they could do what they're doing now. I'm not going to support that. Well, I think the problem you got to the hoteliers is there's a there's a very small number of them that are listed as the leaders of this thing. And, and listen, I, I had dealings with some of those people in Super Bowls. Um, uh, some of them are very bad people. <laughs> I mean, when you've got a Super Bowl coming to town and you've got to come up with a room block of sixteen to 20,000 rooms, and a couple of the owners of the hotel say, no, we're not going to give you any rooms in our room block, it gives you an idea that they don't even want to play ball when you are bringing something to town. So, But they've got control in a lot of ways of what's taking place. And, and I think that that's, uh, I, you know, there are a couple of them that don't like me because I called them out. <laughs> You know, when when I was with the NFL, well, how can you not participate and that sort of stuff? But they they were given a lot of power, and I'm sure they make a lot of contributions to politicians. But I think the toughest thing I think you've got there, and I think this is probably true in every city, politicians become politicians, and then their next concern is getting reelected. And I think the concern has to be, and, and I had a great conversation 2003-ish with Dick Murphy, <laughs> And it was just the two of us in a room, and Dick was, he was running for re-election at that point. And I asked him about the charges in the stadium. 
And if you might remember that he had, what, the 10-point plan that he ran on. And yeah, I remember. He's the 10 things I'm going to get done. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, where are the charges on this? He said, listen, they're my 10-point plan for my second term because I'm not running for re-election and I can get it done at that point. Well, of course, we know his second term lasted, what, six months because of the recall? Yeah. Um, if you're constantly running for re-election and you're constantly worried about your next step, you're trying to please everybody instead of taking hard decisions to make what's best interest of what's going on in the community. And the Chargers were one of those hard decisions that you had to stand up and do that. That and, was back then, Jim. I'm at, let me ask you this, because you had you know personal contact with Mayor Faulkner. Mayor Faulkner, how much of this is on him? I mean, for as much oh, as we blame... a lot on him because okay. he's got a, you know, everybody's worried about his political future, you know, what he's going to do and what he's not going to do. And he takes leadership with everybody to be able to make, get these things done. And you've got to build a consensus with everybody to make it happen. And, and I understand that the Chargers relationship, like I said, goes back to Golding. <laughs> And the radioactivity of the ticket guarantee, which turned people off, it goes forward with that to, you know, Fabiani attacking various different members of, you know, the mayor of Chula Vista and things like that. So why do they want to get engaged? They're afraid they're going to get raked over the coals, so they don't. So they become very passive instead of supportive. So it's hard to get, get the support of everybody. Um, I understand human nature is that, but I, I, you can the community has got, I mean, we, we love the community, okay? We love the people. We love what it stands for. We love the potential. And in order to get there, there's some tough decisions that have to be made that are not politically expedient, you know? And you've got to, people have got to sacrifice. I mean, I, I wish, I, my regret, I think, in the last 10 years down there is that Herb Klein died. Because <laughs> um, Herb would have gotten everybody together and made things happen. But we never got a replacement for Herb Klein when he died. And that was a big loss to this community. Meaning and there's no real leader. There's no, there's no oracle for everybody to go to. I mean, mm-hmm. you, can talk, you can ask you know, Kevin Faulkner, who was a guy that he relied on at some point in time. It was Herb, you know? Um, i, I got to say, Jim, I'm going to sound stupid here, but I don't think Herb Klein is a name that so many of us really know, including myself, so... Well, Herb, Herb was, you know, he got his start as being Richard Nixon's... He was a communications, communications guy, right? Communications director yeah. in the White House. Uh, he became the, I guess, the, the... He was the editor of the paper here in town. The editor of the yeah. paper. I thought he was the publisher. No, well, the oh. publisher was the... Um, oh, Copley. Copley. Copley family. Yeah. But, but he was running the paper, mm-hmm. and he was the one that controlled everything. And he believed strongly in what's good for the community, you know. He, he's one that would have been, he was not there during the, the time that this, you know, Qualcomm got built mm-hmm. originally, but he was the one that led the Super Bowl plan. It was him and Bob Payne and Leon Parma. They're the one that, that drove the Super Bowl coming to town uh, and pushed that back in the early 80s. And he was the guy that, from a political savvy standpoint, understood how to do everything. And he was a guy that, I think if you talk to any of the lead politicians um, Jerry Sanders would be one and ask about him. Jerry Sanders leaned on him heavily for advice all the way through and what to do. And he was a guy that could build consensus and understood what the greater interest was to get done for the community and we get things done. And he was a very, very, he's a very important element to everything that went on in that community for 40 years. Yeah, well, isn't that interesting? Just by the way, Jill, you'll love this as a journalist. I mean, now think about how different the newspaper is. This is a completely separate Oprah. That's a new phrase I'm using, by the way, when people want to tell you that they're going to move on to a different part of a conversation. But, but the newspaper business, Jill, can you believe the, the L.A. Times and the Union Tribune are being sold separately from the parent company? Um, and back what Jim is talking about, that was when the newspaper, as he describes it, had the community's best interest at heart. The newspaper, like every cable channel, has become so motivated by which side it supports. And now the, the newspaper is even in greater turmoil because of yet another owner of it. Well, you know, one thing that was not lost at the news of yesterday, I guess, you lost the vote. You lost the Pro Football Hall of Fame vote uh, with Kevin Acey becoming a baseball writer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and now the only, quote, San Diego person is Jim Trotter. But he's, he, to us, is not the San Diego vote, he's the ESPN vote. You know, he's an at-large person. That's, that's, a sad, that's a sad thing. 
Yeah, they think that Don Coriel has any shot or over. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing, Scott. Uh, just a little uh, my take on the media. My having gone through that whole CSAG thing was such an eye-opener to me as to what has become of the media today. Uh, There was a point, you could tell who Fabiani was feeding, and uh, a lot of them were uh, national people. They were people who needed credibility in their jobs uh, to keep their jobs or to try to get a bit higher profile. And he, they just took what Fabiani told them and never checked it. And then, of course, the minute you post it on Twitter, it just takes on a life of its own. And we also saw Fabiani creating fake websites to get his point across, creating fake Twitter people to get his point across. I mean, it was masterful, but it was sad to me that reporters didn't report. And... It's kind of an extension as what's gone on with the insiders, you know, the NFL insiders. A lot of insiders have to be very careful as to this fine line they walk, you know, uh, how many times you see NFL, national NFL insiders take on the NFL. But better not, because then you won't be the, an NFL insider, and the minute you lose, you know, uh, people in the league office talking to you, you could lose your insider empire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we've had a we've, we've got a lot to talk about here today. So, how is <laughs> <laughs> have I, you ever had a multiple part? This is my first multi-person interview on the Scott Kaplan solo podcast. That's right. <laughs> By the way, it's podcasting. Do you guys listen to any podcasts? I think I've listened to a couple of them. I haven't listened to many, but yes, a couple. I mean, we do you we, ever... we do listen when. There's some great things on 1090 or your Facebook page, like Bernie Wilson talking about finding out who Doc Malibu was. Yeah, that, that was, was good. pretty fun. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Amazing that, that this guy may have actually, and again, I, I'm not sure we know 100%, but it's, it seems like every piece of information pointed to the fact that this guy was some kind of employee to Fabiani or at least was just sort of a paid troll on Twitter. Listen, Jim caught him one night. He got into it very early on when he was still on CSAG, I think. He caught him on on something on Twitter. He came back and said something to Jim, and he said, he, Jim says to me, Jill, very few people have this information. He had to have gotten it from Fabiani. It was some sort of insider information about the Qualcomm Stadium lease or something. Yeah, which I think only five people and their wife you've ever seen. <laughs> but he, he knew it, you know. So, I mean, I, yeah, I think that was, listen, that's an interesting part. I mean, listen, you saw that this past fall when Roger Goodell's wife, you know, was trolling people, right? Remember you know? that? Do you do. remember any of that? Yeah, I do. Scott? Yeah, I do. So, I mean, it's a technique that's being used. I mean, listen, uh, political operatives have worked that way. I hate to say this goes back to the dirty tricks of, you know, the, the Nixon campaign and things like that, right? You know, it's, you know the, the, yeah. where's Donald Segretti when you need him? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I just, this was not a Herb Klein thing, though. No. <laughs> well, I just want to let me ask you guys this before before we close up shop here on this. This believe me, we'll do this again. But so now we're left with nothing here in San Diego. To your point, Jim, it, it, it's a very sad sports community. And when I say we're left with nothing, that's not intended to be insulting towards the Gulls or this new lacrosse league that's coming to town. Certainly not to the San Diego Padres of Major League Baseball or San Diego State, which obviously their basketball team has you know, made huge strides the opposite direction. Yep. They have re- regressed by, by 15 years. And the football team is good, but it's never going to get a real chance per se, especially when you lose games at home in conference. So we're left with now a potential soccer complex, entertainment complex, versus a potential campus expansion. If you had to right now just handicap and predict, look into the Jim and Jill crystal ball, which one of these two, if either, has the inside track as you might perceive it from North Carolina? I don't think either of them are going to pass, is my feeling. I, 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 I said at one point in time that if you didn't do the Charger Stadium thing, it would be another decade before you'd be able to solve this thing. 
because you've got to bring a lot of pieces of the puzzle together, and you've got to take a lot of the selfish agendas out of it and work together in something. I, I mean, one of my most disappointing groups out there was San Diego State. Um, they were offended by a lease they signed back in the 90s, and that turned them off to anything doing the stadium, and so they never participated and always sat on the sidelines. They sat on the sidelines during CSAG. They sat on the sidelines during everything, and then maybe it's because they always had an agenda, and this was the agenda. Uh, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, they were disappointed. But I, I just don't see either one of these passing. I, I don't know what it takes to pass anymore, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Is Scott, it the 57% it, or is it the 50 plus one? I don't know. Is it still about who can get the Mission Valley land for the least amount of money? Is I, it still about a land grab there and somebody trying to get it for, you know, peanuts? Well, I, I, I would say it more like this. Um, you have billionaires now battling, in my opinion. I believe that the Mike Stone, Steve Altman group, and I've talked about this on the radio, Steve Altman in particular, I've had a long relationship with. Mike Stone, not nearly as much, although I do consider him an acquaintance. Um, those guys, their heart, in my opinion, originally was in the right place. They also had what I think was a real ally when Jim Sterk was the athletic director at San Diego State. And I would tell you that if Jim Sterk were still here, this deal might really be done, believe it or not. That's just my opinion. The guys who now represent San Diego State West are the same guys that back in the ticket guarantee days, those were the guys that were, they had their hands in all of this. Um, the one guy, Jack McGrory, worked for the mayor's yep. office, right? Absolutely. Now, now he, he has what I perceive to be like some blood on his hands of the ticket guarantee and of the pension crisis. And Fred Pierce, again, you can just Google this stuff and you can find yep. that these guys' names are associated with two of the city's biggest historic political disasters. So, on one side, I felt like you had some billionaires that were trying at first to do something good. They thought was something good, and they thought working with the mayor was a good thing because they will admit this, they were politically naive. On the other side, the San Diego State West side, you actually have some political veterans here. You have some guys who really do know how to play the political game. And my best guess would be behind the, the Jack McGrory, Fred Pierce guys are, are the John Moore's people, uh, John oh, Kratzer. And, yeah. and, and those are the guys back in the day that were, um, I was talking to a lot about the stadium. Those guys, they always wanted the Chargers to leave Mission Valley, be it to downtown or to L.A., because they always wanted that to be about San Diego State West, which goes back to another layer in this conversation, which was the Corey Briggs proposal. Because uh. remember, Briggs was working with JMI. It wasn't. It was very public. Briggs was working with JMI because JMI wanted that that land to be San Diego State West. So I believe this is just my own opinion here. Now you have the Mike Stone group on one side, Soccer City, and these guys. They thought their heart was in the right place. Not that they're not trying to make money, but they're using their own is, is the way they would ha sell it. And then on the other side, you have the John Moore's team, which is the more politically experienced team, and those guys want to build it. So to me, it's now a battle of two billionaires, and oh. I'm kind of with you guys. I don't think anything gets done because that's just the nature of San Diego, unfortunately. Well, what about MLS? I mean, are they still looking for an MLS team? I thought they were going to put off announcing for a couple push it back in the future well mls the, the reality is this and and knowing stone and altman and having talked to their guy nick stone many times and and a little bit with landon donovan mls is waiting for san diego that they, they can't come out and say it but that's what they're saying if they get the stadium thing voted through mls is going to announce san diego would be an expansion team and if they don't get it to go through then mls will go elsewhere but they mls wants san diego very badly well, because it's a one-horse town now. Right. Of course. Of course. It, they, become, they become one of the big players in a, in a big town, which is important to them. I mean, they get out of small-town Columbus, you know, and go to a big town. Right. They've got two in L.A. They've got New York. They've got major markets. And San Diego is a town that is ripe for more professional sports. So, of course, MLS is willing to wait. Yeah, not, there aren't many markets with over 3.5 million people in them.
could only have one sport. You know, it's it's funny when I talk about this stuff and I, I describe it the way I do, and I'm kind of building you the tail of the tape. Here's the Mike Stone team over here, and here's what I call the John Moore's team over here. You know what happens is um, people seem to think that I'm taking one side or the other. They think it's really obvious that I'm pro soccer city and I'm anti San Diego State West. I'm really not anymore. I, I'm my hands have been thrown up in the air. <laughs> it's like why why would I take one side or the other? Just do something great for this city. If it's expanding San Diego State because 50 years from now our economy is going to be stronger because kids came here, they got educated, they stayed here, they became entrepreneurs, they created companies and jobs. If that's the case, wonderful. If the other way, a soccer stadium gets built and an entertainment complex gets built, and that's great for tax dollars for future generations, et cetera, et cetera, and by the way, the public doesn't have to pay for it, well, then that's great too. Just whatever everybody decides. In fact... I might not, listen to this, this is bad, people get offended when I say shit like this. I may not even vote. Fuck it. Whatever you guys decide, (laughs) I'll fucking do whatever you want. Well, I think we're both in the support. We want what's best for the community. because, And I think, but the community has to come together and decide that and, and put all the selfish interests aside and decide what they want to be 30 years from now. And that takes leadership on multiple fronts in order for that to happen because you've got to take yourself out of it and it can't i realize and maybe it's worse now than it's ever been everybody's always motivated by money and more money and more money or whatever it's going to be but you know there are a lot of people that had a vision for san diego back in the seventies um, you know and what they wanted to be and it, it grew up it was an eight hundred thousand eight hundred thousand population town in nineteen seventy eight and it grew up now what do you want this to be now it's on its way to becoming a five or six million population area so you've got to decide what you want it to be and you know i admire people that want it to be really big and you've got to everybody's got to think that way but i think you've got to have a master plan and that's got to be the the ultimate leadership of everything coming together to make that happen and it may be san diego state you know maybe i mean you've got a great school there in ucsd they've kind of done it quietly their own way and become a top you know 15 school right um academically it's amazing so i mean there's a lot of things but but san diego has always shot itself in the foot i mean here we are watching the winter olympics and what do we think remember when the x games started in san diego yeah. and you got chased out of town because we wouldn't spend the money to keep them there how does that decision look now and just right? and then i can i can come up with a million other examples guys let's do this let's let's um I know we're going to do this again, so let's just call it quits here because we've covered so much. You guys enjoy North Carolina. Please just tell me this. There is life outside of San Diego. Happy life, great place, beautiful places. Where you guys are in North Carolina, that qualify? Yeah, I'll give you an example. About this. You know us because we're sports nuts, okay? So our week this week is going to consist of last night we were at the Carolina-Notre Dame game. Tomorrow night we're at the Virginia Tech-Duke game. Saturday, we're at the NC State Wake Forest game, and Sunday, we're going probably going to go to the Hurricanes game against the Devils. So we're, we're in love with what's going on down here, and in addition to that, we're academically challenged because we keep going to these lecture series and things like this on the campuses. It's been just fantastic. Well, and, and Jim is speaking at the various universities. He's teaching a course at Duke in uh, contemporary sports issues. I'm golfing, which is kind of funny. <laughs> But I turned to him at one of the Duke games recently, and I said, you know, I actually think we have better sports here than we had toward the end in San Diego. Well, I mean, listen to all that college basketball and then some NHL on Sunday. Yeah, you guys you guys got a great thing going. And, well, uh, we're, we're season ticket holders of too many sports now. Even the Durham Bulls were season ticket holders. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, enjoy yourselves. Thank you for all these strong opinions. Really appreciate it. Okay, take care. Bye. I want to thank Jim Stieg and Jill Lieber Stieg. Uh, Those guys really do have a lot of strong opinions, and obviously from an insider perspective. I mean, remember, for those of you that don't really just recall all these details, Jim Stieg was the chief operating officer of the Chargers. Jill Lieber Stieg was a, a journalist with Sports Illustrated, USA Today. She's written many books. So these are qualified people who are very much on the inside. They got married together, these two. He's on the inside of the team. She's a journalist, not covering the team, but has the you know her journalistic antennas up all the time. So thanks to Jim and Jill. Look, I appreciate the fact that this topic continues on. 
there are a lot of characters to blame. This will make a great movie someday. The spoiled rich guy whose dad did all the work and he inherited it all and then he gave it to his two bozo sons. Their lackeys, you know, all their former players who who just spread the word even though they are so hated because they've sold out. Then you have on the other side the politician who was conspiring against the team because he was thinking that he was going to be able to build something as a plan B. All these things. Then you have, you know, again, more characters. The hotel industry, the tourism industry, pushing the chargers out so that they could increase the hotel taxes themselves and build their convention center. There's a lot of characters in the story. And as much as I thought this thing had died down, obviously it's got more life. We'll see you next week on Episode 8 of the Scott Kaplan Solo Podcast. Until then.